The Marlins get the sweep in Anaheim, finishing that three-city road trip with the sweep. Three cities, the Marlins get five and five on the road trip and come back two games over 500. The offense seems to be coming alive and the rotation is certainly starting to improve. Lot to look back on and a lot to look forward to. All on today's Locked on Marlins. You are Locked on Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Lockdown Marlins. This, of course, is your daily Marlins podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up, of course, on Twitter, guys, at Miami Marlins underscore UK. If you listen to the pod, hit subscribe. This, of course, is your team every day. And thanks for making Lockdown Marlins your first listen of the day. It's the Monday episode, Monday, the 29th of May. There is a YouTube channel, by the way. Head over there and hit subscribe, too. For those that are watching, you will see solo pod. For now, on Monday, there may be a double episode drop. Who knows? We'll wait to see. I wanted to get this one out early. It's an interesting week for me personally. Headed away to Roland Garros for the French Open. Uh, so it's going to be a little bit tough with podcasting and scheduling this week. So please do bear with me. Wanted to get one episode out early doors for you to enjoy as a first listen. Looking back on a stunning sweep over the weekend against the Angels, of course. Uh, Before we get into that, uh, this episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. The championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay guaranteed fit. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, guys, so what have we got on deck here? I want to dig into what we saw in that Angel series and, and, and some takeaways too, and also some decisions that are pending. Been thinking about this now. It's it's good news. There's some positive news. Guys are on the way back. It's going to be a, it's going to be tough for Kim if everyone stays healthy. That's always the first question, if everyone is healthy. But how do they squeeze some of these guys back onto the roster? Also, what's next? What's coming down the chute? An off day. It's an off day today, so we've got that. But equally, Padres are in town. The Padres not playing their best baseball. All of a sudden, the Marlins have an opportunity, potentially, to really start to stretch this this spell, or number of games, over 500. As we head into June, this feels different. Feels different. Let's start, though, looking back with this Angel series. Let's start with yesterday's game. Yuri Perez with a start on the road. Obviously, his second start on the road, having gone in course. And to to go five innings, no earned runs in that first inning, striking out Shohei Otani, unbelievable K. Later in the game, striking out Mike Trout. Boy, oh boy, Yuri Perez, this has just been an absolutely stunning start for him thus far. Five innings, 79 pitches yesterday. There's a couple of walks sprinkled in there, and I think that's the main thing with Yuri is like just limiting the walks. But he's... He's absolutely delivered. He's over-delivered, Uri Perez. And, you know, he's he looks at home. The interesting bit is how the Marlins manage him, but I think they continue to manage him in this exact same way. 80 to 90 uh, pitches max. It's around about the five-inning mark. Maybe you can get a touch more. Maybe if you have a really efficient outing, you get into six innings. But 
We know where he's going to be managed. We know he's going to be looked after, but he's going to be managed and looked after at the big league level this year. You know, there's, there's Trevor Rogers potentially coming back soon. I'm going to talk about that uh, a little bit later on because that's one of the decisions the Marlins maybe have to make here. Um, but for me, Yuri Perez, you know, he started his big league career, four starts, obviously. Um, and yesterday, just giving up two hits, no earned runs, four walks, like I mentioned, three Ks, to one of them being Otani, one of them being Trout. So, uh, you know, the in, when those big guys came up to the plate, Yuri Perez absolutely stepped up. Is ERA now down to, what, sub three, 2.84? ERA for Rudy Perez. What a start for him. And yesterday's game, you know, it was it, it was the Miami Marlins of 2023. Close game all the way along. Yuri Perez doing his thing. The bullpen came out and was nails all the way through. Strikeouts galore. Tanner Scott in particular was really impressive at the back end there. And JT Chagua shags with his first save for the Marlins. I did think that there was a there was a good opportunity for Shags with Puck down to get some save opportunities. And he did yesterday. He gave up two hits, though, in the, in the process, um, plus a walk. So, you know, it wasn't it wasn't clean, clean from Chagua, but nevertheless, good to see him getting his first save on that one. I do think there'll be more for him. You know, the bullpen, as we saw the day before, boy, oh, boy, it's been gassed. Uh, it, you know, they went into extras. We'll talk about that as well because that was a wild end to the game. But it went into extras, Skip Schumacher after the game, basically saying... Uh, after Brian Hoeing, who was only available in emergencies, and because it went extras and into 10th, it was an emergency. There was no one left after Brian Hoeing. Um, so I don't know who he would have seen, to be honest with you. It could have been a bit of a Jacob Stallings, you know, 11th inning extravaganza. Who knows? The Marlins get it done, though, and uh, the Angels certainly helped them along the way there. No doubt in that one. Um, but Dylan Floro being asked to step up, and he really has stepped up. Floro, for me, he's... In the main, has never just never let the Marlins down. Um, just such a reliable guy. Eighth inning, ninth inning, whatever it is, multiple you know days going. That's just what's being asked of the guys. We've seen a couple of the, the bullpen guys you know drop off a touch. Brazaban, I think, is the most obvious one. Just potentially those early stretches where he was being asked to do a lot on multiple days, multiple innings on multiple days. Just it starts to catch up with you, right? That's kind of the challenge for for Skip Schumacher and managing this pen. I was. Surprised yesterday in some ways that maybe a roster move or two wasn't made just to try and refresh it a touch, particularly with Uri Perez going. But it, you know the Marlins managed to stay away from that. They had the off day queued up today, so it means they come into the series with the Padres um, tomorrow, and we'll see if any you know pitching decisions are made. Again, we'll talk about the the offensive side in particular, but. The bullpen as a group is, is, is continuing to do well and, and manage the situation with Puck being down. Let's, you know, Puck was absolutely sensational for this club early in the year. Puck goes down, you know, it could have fell away. It could have fell apart, but it hasn't. The Marlins have, have managed to continue because they have Dylan Florida to lean back to. They have JT Chagua to lean back to. They're asking Brian Hohen to pitch some leverage in. It's everyone's being asked to contribute. Tanner Scott, too. And the guys are all doing it. I've mentioned it on many, many episodes, and the everydayers will remember this. This is why it's so different in the pen this year. Last year, there was zero experience in leverage situations. This year, there's so much experience in leverage situations. Those leverage spots are crucial, and being able to pitch in them is, is very different to a, a sixth inning when you know it may be close, maybe not. And so that's been the key difference for Kim Ang in this bullpen. Barnes. Puck, Floro, Chagua, Tanner Scott, all with high leverage 
high, high level, and probably Okurt too. You probably throw him in there because of last season he he was pitching in some leverage spots too. You know, that's five to six guys that have done it before. They know what they're doing, and they're they're stepping up and delivering, which is really really impressive. On the offensive side, though, yesterday, you know, the main standout, Nick Fortes, a lot of chatter, a lot of chatter about the catching position. Jacob Stallings uh, has been rightly slandered. It's been it's been horrific season for Jacob Stallings, offensively, defensively. Everything is horrific for him thus far. It's creating an opportunity, perhaps, for Nick Fortes. And can he step up and take it? Yesterday, the big home run to get it all rolling. He absolutely turned the one. I love it when Nick Fortes, when he gets those, when he really just tries to get the body swiveled into it, really turns on them. And those balls get out of there quick, right, with Nick Fortes. Like, he can, he can hit. And then yesterday, we saw it. He almost had two home runs. Ended up with a... A home run, a single, and a double. Three hit day, triple shy of the cycle. It's always the tricky one to get right. But, you know, career day almost for Nick Fortes in a game that was low scoring, clearly, you know, 2-0. The Marlins only, you know, I say only, but the Marlins had nine hits. The Angels only had five. So that was the problem for the Angels. Couldn't get the offense going. But Luis Arias in there as well with a multi-hit game, of course. Unfortunately for Jorge Soler, the streak ends. And really, that's been... All of the talk here for the Marlins recently is Jorge Soler's home run pace in this streak. Unfortunately, the streak ended yesterday, but what a run for Jorge Soler and what a season he is having. It's all clear now with Jorge Soler. We know it's opt-out season uh, and there will be so many decisions the Marlins will make around Jorge Soler this year. And there's all of them are in play. Trade near the deadline if you're out of it. Extend. I'm not sure how much that is in play. Um, I'm not sure how much that's in play for Hoy Soler, whether he'd want to do that right now. There's probably no reason to. Just keep on having a monster season. Keep adding dollars to your contract, unless he really wants to stay in Miami, perhaps. And the other one clearly is the Marlins just hold on to him, let it ride, and we just see what happens um, at the back end of the year. So the Marlins have got a few decisions on him, but really at this point, we should the, the conversation around trading Hoy Soler should not, we shouldn't be having it. This is the point where the Marlins should be considering how they can add to this roster because they're two games over 500 pretty much as we're heading into June. This club is bang live. They're in a wild card spot right now. They're in wild card spot two. Second spot. Yes, sir. Just behind the Diamondbacks and ahead of the Giants. The Mets are there kind of trending behind. Phillies, you know, a couple of games back to um, the Padres as well. So, you know, there's some big, big teams that should be performing that are performing that are behind the Marlins. However, you know, the, the sometimes these seasons, it just doesn't play out. Teams just can't get it together, can't click. And, you know, it's it's possible that a Phillies, a Mets, a Padres, or multiple of those just can't piece it together. And in the meantime, the Marlins just keep on adding uh, wins to, to their column. They're going to be putting the pressure on those guys, no doubt about it. So the Marlins at this point should be looking to add. I'm going to speak with Sean uh, over the next day or two, looking at where they could add and who they could add. Catching position I've been digging into, it's a touch barren. Shortstop, what's the decision there? There's internal options, but are there any external ones? What about the outfield? What about getting an extra stick? Do they need one? It's going to be the questions on that one. Um, Let's get into our first ad of the day, and then we'll continue this conversation uh, moving forwards. And it's our good friends over at Built Bar, of course. Yes, sir, Built's are back. And if you're looking for a delicious snack, but don't want all the sugar and calories, then you need the best tasting protein bar ever built. you got to try this. You really do. If you're like me, you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste. I've got just the thing for you. Built bars and built puffs. Built bars are healthy 
and taste amazing. Seriously, they taste so amazing. You won't think they're good for you. You have to try them. What makes them so good? Well, the starters covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right. 100% real chocolate and all the flavors, churro, peanut butter, brownie, and cookies and cream. So much, so much. And also, whilst they taste amazing, they're also good for you. They're healthy. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein. Um, you don't need to wait to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering Bilts at Bilt.com. Uh, now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club while you get your specialty flavors still at Bilt.com. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk up to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Bilt Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. If you're close to that Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box, all the hit flavors, brownie batter puff and churro puff. Thank me later, guys. Enjoy those builds. Okay, so what's what's the roster going to be looking like? We've got this off day coming, but equally, the news broke. And listen, Kevin Barral, roll those hours, but Kevin Barral, he is now the legitimate king stud elite beat reporter right now he is getting traction all over the show but kevin barral reporting after speaking to jesus sanchez that he's going to be back on tuesday jesus sanchez back to the roster another timely boost for this marlins offense i looked at it yesterday you know when when you think of the offense and you think well this offense is maybe underperforming you, you look and you think oh actually you've got i mean you've got a ton of guys that are performing at above average levels at this point, you know, via OPS anyway. Jonathan Davis, <laughs> it's a touch early, small sample size, maybe as Sean would say, but he's OP- OPSing over a 1,000 at this point. Uh, we'll wait to see how that one, um, I guess, balances out over the next uh, few weeks. Hoy Soler, 892 OPS. Luis Arias, 897 OPS. Uh, Guriel, 792. And also De La Cruz, 785. These guys, this is... This is the legitimate offense when you piece all these guys together. Plus, you're adding in Jesus Sanchez that's OPSing himself over 900. I haven't got that in front of me, but I think it's over 900. <laughs> the point is, you've got five sticks there plus Jesus Sanchez, six sticks that are all performing at a level. What we have seen recently is a lot of Yuli Gurriel. We really have. We've seen a lot of Gurriel at first base. We've seen a lot of Coop at DH. We've seen a lot of Jorge Soler in right field. It's going to be interesting to see Jesus Sanchez back in the mix. How do the Marlins start to mix and match this roster? And equally, what's the move, right? Who will be optioned, DFA'd, whatever it might be? The most likely is Xavier Edwards at this point for Jesus Sanchez. Um, I think Xavier Edwards, he's performed well. And I think that's been encouraging. The stick, certainly. The Marlins are definitely not certain about him in center field. And hence, they went and addressed that with Jonathan Davis. And obviously, um, you know, within the infield space, it's a little bit crowded there with Birdie, uh, Hampson, uh, obviously Edwards, Arias, Wendell. Like, there's a ton of guys in there. So I think Xavier Edwards likely will be optioned back down to AAA uh, tomorrow, which I think makes sense. We'll wait to see how the rest of the decisions start to play. In. And that's kind of where, where my head's at, too, is how do they start to squeeze some of these guys back onto the roster? Let's assume everyone remains healthy. But they've traded for Davis. Davis, I think, will remain on the roster for now. Um, I'm, I'm pretty much playing center field every day. They need that defense out there, and they're happy to have that glove out there, I think. And that's going to be the way they go. We're then thinking about what's, you know, what Jesus Sanchez, we've already talked about. He's going to be back. But you've got Avicel Garcia that's going to be, you know, 
a few days away, maybe. I think Avicel Garcia starting started his rehab or will be starting this week. So Avi's close. How do they get Avi back on the roster? Do they want to get Avi back on the roster? I think, you know, clearly they they want to. And actually, what we shouldn't forget is Avi was heating up. He was actually heating up before he got hurt. It was just, unti- you know, poor timing for him. Bit like Jesus Sanchez, where he was on fire and then gets hurt. So, you know, how do they get Avi back on? Um, that's going to be a tricky one. You've then got Trevor Rogers that's trending. Perhaps he's a couple of weeks away. Um, you know, how do they get Trevor Rogers back into this rotation? And should they? I think that's going to be an area of discourse over the next week or two. Um, the questions or the options they have at this point are um, Uri Perez back down, maybe. Maybe if they want to kind of limit those big league innings, but it doesn't seem to make any sense. I've spoke about this before on other episodes. It just doesn't make sense to me. It's not, you haven't brought Yuri Perez up as an emergency guy, and now the emergency's over, send him back down. You've brought him up because he's ready, and he's performing. So he's earned his spot. He has earned his spot. Trevor Rogers needs to earn his spot back. And listen, Trevor had a really shaky 22, was okay to start the year in 23. But listen, the, the pressure is all on Trevor Rogers. It isn't just he's going to waltz back in and take his spot. Because let me tell you, Yuri Perez, he's earned his spot. Braxton Garrett earned his spot. Jesus Lozado, Sandy Alcantara. Everyone's earning their spots there. Edward Cabrera, for me, is trending in the right direction also. So for me, the rotation looks set. How do you fit Trevor back in? Should you fit him back in? I don't know. It's, it's possible that Trevor Rogers ends up down in AAA. Let's see how this rehab goes. We'll see how long it takes. We'll see the, the broader health of the rotation. The Marlins clearly are managing Yuri Perez too, but you have to think at this point, could Trevor Rogers have an a, a elongated stint down in AAA? It's certainly possible. It really is. Could he move to the bullpen? Could someone move to the bullpen? For me, you could possibly move Trevor there. But again, it goes back to the Braxton Garrett situation right at the start of the year. Yeah, okay, it's useful to have a nice long man. But having someone at AAA ready to rock and roll, if when something happens to a startup, is so valuable. So I'd be stunned if the Marlins went any other direction uh, and, and, and transitioned you know, Braxton Garrett back as a long man. I just can't see it. Can't see it personally. But it's over to Trevor. It's in his power. He needs to come back and earn his spot. And that's by putting down good quality innings, a triple A in the rehab start. And then we'll see, you know, how things are. It's going to be really, really intriguing. Not quite clear on where things are with Johnny Cueto. That feels longer term. Not quite clear where we're at with, with Johnny Cueto in general. And then we've obviously got Jazz Chisholm Jr. Uh, it sounds like he's going to be making a rehab start also um, this week. So that's encouraging. But, you know, Jazz saying he's maybe a week and a half away. So, you know, probably after this homestand, you know, Jazz Chisholm Jr. is going to be back on the roster too. This Marlins club is playing well. They're two games over 500. They've just been on a three-city West Coast road trip, and they they handled themselves okay. They let a few games slide in cause. They won one they probably maybe shouldn't have done in this Angel series. Like, it's all swings and roundabouts, right? But overall, they're two games over 500. The offense is improving. It really is. And this is where it gets really interesting for Skip and for Kim. Because the club's winning, there's players coming back. How do you reintegrate them without knocking off the balance? Because right now, and I think Skip spoke about it post-game the other day, saying everyone's just fighting for it. Everyone's putting a full shift in. No passengers. It's not his words. They're my words. But no passengers in this lineup, in in in, in this clubhouse. And for me, that's a Skip Schumacher 
clubhouse. It really is. I don't know, you know, maybe there has been passengers in the past. Maybe some of them are on the IL right now. I don't know. But the club's winning, and so decisions are hard to make. The the guys on the roster right now are making it hard for Skip and Kim. And we're going to wait to see how that plays out. I think Xavier Edwards is the obvious one for Jesus Sanchez. But after that, boy, oh boy, it gets real tough real quick because fundamentally everyone's doing well. Even Mean Gene yesterday, biggest bat flip I've seen for a single uh, in 2023. I think he had a similar bat flip. I mean, it was a walk-off single for the Phillies against the Marlins last year. But a middle of the game, um, you know, bat flip, what, what inning was that? It was the sixth inning. Sixth inning. <laughs> mean Gene's giving it a wild bat flip on a single that it did score a guy, right? <laughs> to make it 2-0. Um, but I love to see that from Gene. Obviously, the frustration continues to build. They walked Yuli Gurriel to get to Gene Segura, and he took that personally. <laughs> he took that personally and drove that ball the other way. Love to see it. I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how this shortstop position plays out. You know, Joey Wendell, boy, oh boy, Joey Wendell. I mean, he struggled for, for a pretty long period now. And... It, it feels like he's on the cusp of, of getting something going. But at this point, with so many other guys around him performing, you know, you do have to wonder whether the Marlins look to do something a bit more drastic with, with Joey Wendell. Do they look to do something more drastic with Gene Segura? I don't think so with Gene. But I do think with Wendell, his expiring deal, um, there's a little bit more, you know, they can pull the ejector cord a touch earlier and a touch more aggressively if they need to or find a trade partner too right like other people other clubs will value joey wendell i think well clearly the marlins valued him he was just he's the starting uh shortstop for the club but the stick hasn't played um there's other guys that are now all of a sudden kind of coming through i mean jacob amaya particularly um you know triple a is, is is having a hot month which is great to see is is the bat ready not sure is the glove ready absolutely the gloves always ready i think with jacob amaya so, you know, you have to wonder, does the bat play there? And do the Marlins look to do something with Wendell? It feels like that relationship is a touch, you know, it's, I don't know, fractured's the right way of describing it, but it doesn't quite feel right there. It hasn't felt right, actually, for a long time with Wendell, I must say. Like, he's, it just felt like a bit of an odd part on this roster for the Marlins, and it's never quite settled in. Maybe it's one of those, right? When you're at the Rays, um, you know, you're enjoying life, you're playing well. Next thing is you trade it to the to the Marlins, and you know you go from a winning club to a not winning club, and sometimes that's hard mentally, I guess. So we'll wait to see how it plays out. But overall, you have to look at this club and think, what a sweep! What a way to finish the road trip, and it was done in Marlins style with a two nil shutout victory with Uri Perez leading the charge. However, game two in that series was absolutely wild. No bullpen, nothing was there. Somehow the Marlins found a way to win. It was helped. Four unearned runs from the Angels. The Angels shooting themselves in the foots. They are shooting themselves in the foots. Not sure that's the, the correct <laughs> the correct way of saying it. Shooting themselves in the foot. Are they the Mets of the AL? <laughs> I think it feels like they are. <clears throat> so much hype. So much hyperbole. So many good players, individuals on that team. But somehow could never perform. Are they the Mets of the AL? I don't know, but the way the Angels are going, the way the Angels fan base were going over that weekend series, you know, they were not happy. They weren't happy with the manager. They weren't happy with the bullpen. They're not happy with the offense. 
pitching okay, but not amazing. I mean, the Marlins pretty much, no, pretty clearly out hit the Angels all series long. So questions for the Angels to ponder on, questions for the Padres to answer in the next uh, few days. We're going to wait to see how, how their roster shakes up. I saw Soto was out of the game yesterday. Machado's been out for a while. So the Padres are vulnerable. And so this could be a really good opportunity for the Marlins. Sandy Alcantara going uh, on Tuesday in game one. So big opportunity here for the fish. We've said this before on this podcast. We said it before going on this road, on this road trip. What can you do against the Giants? Actually, the Giants are better than you think. What can you do in cause? Actually, cause is tough. What can you do in Anaheim? Uh, they handle their business there. Roster decisions are coming down the chute here for, the, uh, for this club. I'm really intrigued to see how aggressive Kim is with these underperforming guys. If you're not performing, then you got to earn your spot. That's going to be really intriguing to see the way that they play that out. But that's going to wrap us up for today's episode. Thanks for making Locked On Marlins your first listen of the day. I'm going to be back with pre-recorded episodes over the next few days. So I have to hold my hands up and apologize for that. There won't be too much analysis in during the series against the Padres as I am heading to Roland Garros in Paris for the French Open for a few days. So I'll be a little bit quieter on social media, a little bit quieter on Locked On, but we will have episodes and content uh, continuing to flow through. They'll be focused in on position upgrade options. I want to really look at the catching spot. I really want to consider the shortstop position. I want to consider some outfield spots as well to consider how this Marlins offense um, could get better as a group, what options there could be for Kim to add to this roster. Uh, Thanks again. I'll see you guys soon.